0: About to win so big. Tell my hydraulic money. Yeah. Money coming in. Tell me what's the program? 25 days of Yeah, get with the program. So they walk their way get the program.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Another week, another episode. It's your boy Dan's Tales from the Terror Dome. Got a special guest in the building today. He's a recurring guest. He's probably been on here more than any of y'all. Uh, but he's a friend of mine. You know, he holds it down for the Hokies. He is an integral part of the 2024 recruiting class at Virginia Tech and every recruiting class at Virginia Tech. His name is Coach Cheetah. Derek Jones, how you doing, my man?
0: I'm doing good, my friend. How you doing?
1: Man, I I can't complain, man. I can't complain. But
0: well, so, it's good, man. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um going into 2024, like 2023 was a was a pretty big class, I feel like. Like there was a lot of like there was a lot of reset from the the previous regime and just getting guys in that that y'all really wanted to get in. And then you know, you look at you have to look at the roster management and everything, and you're getting into 2024. How hard was it to like not only realize you had to take a small class, but to like actually take a smaller class? Because I know there's a lot of talent out
0: there. Well, we knew going into uh, this recruiting cycle that this class was going to be small because of the size of the first class that we had, but. That first class was uh, very critical for us because it was the basic foundation of our tenure uh, at Virginia Tech. And we signed what we feel like are a lot of really good football players, a lot of really good leaders. And those guys have started the development. You know, Some of those guys didn't get a chance to get on the field much last year, but we see them day in and day out, and we're very excited about them. So the second class was just continuing to add to that, and we feel like you know combining both of these classes together – uh, we're well on our way to achieving the things that we set out to achieve here.
1: Well, I feel like as far as the Cheetahs go, uh Dante Lovett and Braylon Johnson looked like what they were sold to us as last year. Like they, they look legit out there as true freshmen. Like they were really bringing the heat when they got their reps.
0: Yeah. You know, both of those guys, um, were really good high school players and we felt really good about, you know, um, Naturally, the guys that start in front of them are both uh, really good players. So they didn't get the amount of reps um, that we would like to have gotten them, you know, just because it's kind of hard to take a guy like Dorian Strong off the field, uh, you know, if you're not way ahead in a ball game, you know, just because of how talented uh, that he is. And those guys are proven. But, you know, those guys have great attitudes. Uh, they learn well. Uh, they're very competitive kids. So really excited about their futures here.
1: Yeah, and they robbed Dante of an interception at the military bowl. He should have had one <laughs> in the end zone. Uh-oh.
0: You know, think thing about Dante, man, Dante is um, a guy that just has that unique knack for getting his hands on the ball. You know, every other day in practice, you know, he finds a way to get an interception. And, you know, he usually tells us that he's going to get one or two and he usually backs it up. <laughs>
1: that's that's a fact and i guess also an important part of going into this 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 class you know 2024 was uh you know we have some guys that played really well for a few years and then you gotta like how do you balance like you know retaining versus then you go out to recruit but you don't know maybe with the portal era like who might leave and who might stay and are your numbers really going to look the way you want them to because This person, like, left at the last second. Like, how do you – like, that has to be one hell of a juggle.
0: Well, the key element to all of that right there is uh, relationships that you have with you guys. Um, You have to be willing as a coach to have those conversations with them uh, before it gets to that point. And if you have a good relationship uh, with your players, they got to be honest with you about what they're thinking. You know, you just can't sit back and hope – that your players don't leave and wonder if they're going to leave. You got to have those conversations, and those are conversations you got to start. You know, at the beginning of the season, uh, throughout the season, the middle of the season, you know, and at the end of the season, just so you know. And um, that's just part of the process of where we are in the landscape of college football right now.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's very important to say that you know, retaining eighty eighty six percent of the roster going into 2024 and really the only people that, that truly left, like really except for like one or two were like people that were like, they had no more eligibility left. They were graduating. And I feel like in today's era of college football, that deserves like big, big applause because that's hard to do.
0: Yeah. It goes back to what I said and and hats off to my colleagues for having, you know, relationships with their players uh, the trust of the players and the players having faith, you know, in us as a staff. Um, and that's a big part of it because we all know that, you know, our first year here wasn't a very good year. And then we started out, you know, one in three. And there were a lot of naysayers, a lot of non-believers, but the players themselves never wavered. Uh, the players believed in us. The players believed in themselves. And, you know, um, winning is a process. And there was a lot of things that we as coaches had to instill in those young men. A lot of things we had to teach those young men, um, and they answered the bell. You know, um, I think toward the end of the year, our football team really saw how good they could be, and I think a lot of that uh, was the unity. A lot of that was seeing the execution of a lot of the things um, that we had been trying to instill in them for the past two years um, come to fruition. And I think probably more than anything, you know, the development of leaders on a football team. You know, the one thing people don't realize, you know, you can look at signing classes and you can look at the ranking of players and you can look at the popularity of players, but if you don't have leadership in a locker room, uh, it's going to be hard to win. That's why our model of recruiting leaders and captains um, is very, very, very critical, you know, because those guys are with each other. Those guys are around each other a lot more than we're with or around them. And when you don't have quality leaders, at every position, uh, guys that do things the right way, guys that aren't afraid to call their teammates out, guys that lead by example. It's going to be hard to win ball games on the field. And, you know, a lot of that was adding some of those people to our roster, but at the same time teaching a lot of our guys how to become that.
1: Man, that, that's very true. And, yeah, you told me last year that y'all mainly – you, you want to recruit people that were leaders in the locker room, team captains, and, you know, we went three and eight that first year, and then nobody left. The whole class stayed intact, and, you know, I feel like they were very <clears> – <throat> as far as, like, I guess from a fan perspective, you know, they do all the stars and everything. Like, they would be deemed an underrated class, but I feel like there were a lot of dogs in that 2023 class that are very monumental to raising the floor – for what we're trying to do now, and I mean, I feel like it came through this year with the people that were able to get on the field, whether it was Dante, Braylon, Aiden Green, like whoever, special teams, all that, and uh, yeah, this was the happiest
0: I'd ever been to go seven and six,
1: Coach. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was <laughs> absolutely thrilled to be seven and six.
0: Well, you know, definitely. I've told you before, man. Um, those stars, those rankings, and things like that. Uh, those are for fans to read. You know, as a coach, you have to be good at evaluations. Uh, you have to be good at knowing who fits your roster. Uh, and you have to know um, what you want for your blueprint. And um, that's something that we had in place. And, you know, we do a really good job on our staff um, of evaluating talent. You know, we check the boxes. We do thorough background checks on them as people and everything, knowing that they're going to be good fits for us in every aspect Um guys that are not distractions, guys that do the things that they're supposed to do, Um, and that's what you're seeing a product of. You know, um, I've got a lot of guys that play in the NFL right now that were not highly recruited they didn't have a lot of stars, but they were good football players. So as a coach, you have to trust what you believe, Um, and you don't need anybody else to believe that. Um, I firmly believe that you're the professional and you're in your position for a reason. So that's kind of what we do.
1: Speaking of the NFL, you got any kids playing in the Super Bowl?
0: No, I don't have um, any of my guys playing in the Super Bowl this year. I got you. Well, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we've got well we've got Jamari uh, naturally, but naturally Jamari yeah. played in Pearson, so we're yeah. cheering for him without a doubt. I
1: always uh, laugh because I'm a I'm a Broncos fan, and I've always said the Broncos never draft hokies, but. My division rivals always seem to do so. And that just Shamari Connor going to the Chiefs was just like par for the course <laughs> for me. I was like, of course he did. But yeah, I hope he individually balls out. That's for sure. Uh when it gets when you when it comes to evaluation and you guys are going to look at kids and you like look at a kid and you're like, man, he would be really good potentially with a red shirt year but how do you like how would you decide like to hold that offer or give that offer based on that information
0: well you know part of a program um is developing players and every player that you recruit is not going to be a ready made product especially when you start talking about you know in the offensive and defensive line a lot of those guys have the talent um they have the skill set but they're not big enough they're not strong enough you know, at the corner position, you know, you can look at a guy's uh, length. You can look at his ball skills um, and a lot of different things. But, you know, it takes a while to get good at the things you have to get good at in order to become a player. And to be honest, when you get a roster where it's supposed to be, most of the guys that you're recruiting are going to fit into that mold. I mean, we signed some really good high school players this year, but we've already got some really good high um, – really good – college players on our roster right now um you know I look at Josh Clark and think the world of Josh Clark but I've got two returning starters at corner so I don't need Josh Clark to come in right now and be a guy that has to start for us um and you know when you've been in program for a while you hope that that's the case at every position
1: yeah working in northern Virginia I've heard a lot about Josh Clark and I'm excited for that kid and I I would think that these kids when they're being recruited can look at the roster and see, like, hey, Dorian's there, you know, uh, Mansoor's there. Like, I'm obviously not – I'm going to sit. So, like, I feel like they would have to have that knowledge as well coming into it, right, when they choose to accept the offer that Virginia Tech has given them.
0: Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, I'm a very honest recruiter. And the thing I tell every prospect that I recruit, that my job as a position coach is to create a climate of competition. And if I've been – in a program for two or three years I should have a climate of competition at my position so I tell every kid that I'm recruiting that it's going to be difficult for you to come in and play right away because I've got good players not saying that you can't uh, but it's going to be difficult and I want guys who embrace and understand that you know when you're in the NFL everybody drafted is good (laughs) but guys don't just leave or, or, or quit because of that if a guy is afraid of the current roster that I have how in the world can I trust him to cover the opposite team's best receiver? I don't want that guy. So I recruit the same way that I coach, and I want guys that embrace me in recruiting because I know they'll embrace me as a coach.
1: Yeah, that's a fact. And uh, I can tell that that room is um, getting full of dudes that are, that are chopping at the bit and are ready to prove themselves. That's for sure. Well, you know, competition
0: Competition makes us better, man. And when everybody in that room knows that they can't become complacent, they have to do the things that they're supposed to do. They have to do the extra mile because the guy on the right and the left of him are going to do those things. Then, you know, you're putting a good product on the field when it comes time to play during the season. And when you get guys like Dorian Strong who develop into good leaders and they can watch that guy, how he works, how he goes about his business, how he prepares – then it just makes a really good climate.
1: Yeah, and I feel like as a coach, as far as you go, when you can have at least you know you got your two deep, and that you can trust fully, and then you can trust a couple guys after that. You know they're gonna if something happens, they're gonna be able to come in the game, and the the uh it's not gonna be as notice it's not gonna be noticeable. That that also has to be a great feeling.
0: Yeah, and and that's what has to happen because. You know, there's too many uncontrollable factors in this sport, you know, with injuries and things that could possibly happen. But that doesn't mean that the opposition is not going to attack you the same way. So you have to have guys that can do the things that need to be done in order for us to play at my position, the quality of defense that we need to play. You know, my background is man coverage. um, Man free um, is my specialty. And we've implemented a lot of that because – We got guys that can do it now, and we're recruiting guys that can do it. It was very difficult for us that first year um, to do a lot of things on defense because we didn't have the caliber of young men that we have right now as far as players.
1: From a philosophy standpoint, what makes you prefer man over zone? Well,
0: you know, you have to have a blend of both. But when you play man coverage, it just makes it hard on the opposition. You know, when you play zone, you're going to give up throws. Uh, Whereas when you play man, the quarterback has to be good. And being able to play a young player, um, he's not going to be technique sound. uh, He's not going to be fundamentally sound. But you can teach him a lot of aspects of man coverage that allows him to be in the proper position. And if the quarterback doesn't put the ball where it needs to be, you know, those are incompletions. And the offense can only throw so many incompletions. So it just gives you an advantage. But, you know, man coverage by us has to be married with a lot of different things. You know, you've know, you got to have guys up front that can put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you've got to have guys in the back end at safety that can cover for you if you do get beat at the line and things like that. But, you know, um, most teams play a lot of zone when they don't have guys that can play man, you know, in my opinion. And um, oftentimes that gives the offense an opportunity to move the ball, um, to control the clock and things like that. You know we want to be aggressive we want to make it hard on things and a lot of that just comes from my background as a player I played in college for a guy named Jolie Dunn um, in the SEC and that's what we did so the first day I stepped on campus that's what I knew that's what I understood and I played on the number one defense in the nation in college at Ole Miss so it worked <laughs> you know and I've seen other teams that do a lot of it and it works so that's just my mentality and my philosophy.
1: I see in this class we took, what, three defensive backs. You had uh, Noah Jenkins, kept the Highland Springs connection, running strong. Uh, then you had, obviously, Josh Clark and Quentin Reddish, who I'm actually really excited about. Are are they – Uh, so Josh is a cheetah, but are the other two also cheetahs, or are they going with Coach B?
0: Um, no, both of those other two guys are in uh, Pearson's room right now. Josh is the only one added to my room because you got to think we added – Five guys to my room last year you know that were all freshmen so uh my room is young um we felt like josh was an added piece you know gave us a bigger body guy but in reality the way we recruit is we recruit versatility and that's what we call cheaters we recruit guys that if they emerge as one of the best football players that we have we can easily find a way for them to get on the field or look at our situation and see how they can get on the field the fastest so You know, Quentin Reddish actually played a lot of corner in high school. Uh, Noah Jenkins was actually a corner when we first started recruiting him out of Highland Springs. And naturally, Josh plays both corner and safety. So all of them are versatile. We've just got them penciled in the depth charts at those positions right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as we saw last year, when you guys aren't afraid to, you know, shuffle it around, I know you sent. My sore back there to safety a couple of times. I think I saw uh, Derek get a little work back there. So if it if it has to happen, it will happen. And you guys are not. I'm glad that we have. You know, when you first took the job, you told me you said, "Hey, I'm trying to get people that you know. I don't want them to just tell me they're just a corner because I need. I might need them to play a couple places."
0: Yeah, you know, uh, the recruiting philosophy is man, you recruit football players. You recruit guys that can tackle. You recruit guys that can run. You recruit guys that have ball skills. And that enables you to be able to get your best football players on the field. You know, Munso Delane actually came to us as a safety, you know, on the depth chart. And we all know his story as a freshman. You know, he ended up being the best corner that we had, you know, once he got on the field. Um, And that's the position that he plays now. But, you know, we know that he can quickly go back there and play safety if need be. So, you know, we'll evaluate and see – you know, who are our best four guys, period. And the best four guys, we're going to find a way to get on the field. And then after that, who's the fifth guy? Who's the sixth guy? Who's the seventh guy? So it really doesn't matter whether they're that on the depth chart. We're going to find a way to get our fifth, sixth, and seventh guy on the field if they're the fifth, sixth, and seventh guy.
1: Yeah, and going into the year when you guys put your recruiting plan together and you know in 2023 you took five corners, And this year is going to be a very small number for you. How do you, and there's so many athletes out there that you go see in the recruiting process. How, how like difficult is it for you to be like, dang, I wish I could just have this one more dude, but you can only take like one
0: or two. Well, you're talking to a guy that's been married for 24 years, man. So it's really no (laughs) different than being married. You know, there's a lot of pretty women in the world, but my wife is my wife for a reason. And uh, that's just the philosophy. You know, you can't get them all. There's a lot of good players out there. But, you know, when you feel like you got a guy and you feel good about that guy, it takes you away from wondering what if, so to speak. You know, Josh Clark is a kid that we had in uh, seven seven a couple of years ago. And that's the year that we were recruiting uh, Takai and Braylon and those guys. And uh, Josh had all the measurables. Uh, he was on our board, but. After seeing him in that 707 that day, there was no doubt that he was a guy that we felt like could be um, an elite power five football player. You know, uh, he was playing wide receiver, he was playing safety, he was playing corner, and he was dominant against a lot of good football players, against a lot of guys that we felt like were takes, you know, um, from a recruiting perspective. So there was no doubt about him. And we wasn't concerned how many offers he had, how many other people liked him. We knew what he was. And so there was no reason for us to waver. You know, he's a Virginia kid, in-state kid. And once he made up his mind um, to commit to us, we committed to him. And um, that was it. And we assessed the roster um, and looked at it and felt like we were probably better off taking guys in other positions as opposed to trying to go out and get another corner. So I feel good about where we are. I feel real good about those guys we signed last year. Naturally, I feel good about my two starters, um, and I feel good about Jock. You know, I think it's a competitive room. Um, I think it's a unified room. And that's what you have to have in order to excel.
1: Man, that's a fact. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this this list. And a guy on this list that I'm actually really excited about, uh, Tyler Mason out of North Carolina. He, I know he only played single-A ball, but he was averaging, like, 13 yards per carry. I mean, cooking dudes is cooking dudes. I don't think it matters what level it's at. But what what made y'all look at this kid and be like, hey, we know he plays single-A ball, but we're, we're we're taking a chance on him anyway. We're going to give him the offer.
0: Yeah, you know, Tyler's just a dominant athlete. You know, Tyler doesn't just excel at football. He's, he excels at basketball. You know, it's almost that old saying, everything he does, he does at an elite level. Um, And, you know, those guys are not from North Carolina, but they're not far away from our campus, you know, in Mount Erie. And um, I don't think the guy had a bad game. You know, he set multiple records as far as touchdowns, records, you know, one of the best basketball players in the state. So when you get guys like that that are good football players, you don't second guess it at all. You know, I don't care if he's playing 1A ball or 6 or 7A ball. It doesn't matter. A good football player is a good football player. And we felt like he was the guy that helped us to elevate our roster.
1: You know, I feel the same way. (laughs) I'm looking, I mean, we talk about the footprint, man. And everybody, Virginia, 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 Georgia, uh, New Jersey, Ohio. uh, I think the furthest we went was Davi down in Florida. Like how, even in the portal, it was kind of like still kind of stuck to the footprint, you know, we brought some kids back home that were from Virginia, uh, other dude from, you know, Montavious Cunningham, he's from Georgia. Uh, Peebles, nasty defensive lineman, he's from North Carolina, and he played at Duke, so I know that your relationship came into play there because you had a little familiarity. Uh, how how much were you involved in the recruiting process of, of Peebles?
0: Uh, very deeply. Um, like I said, I do have a long-standing relationship uh, with Aeneas and his family. Um, Aeneas was a part of the last recruiting class that I was a part of at Duke. So I got to know his mom really well, got to know his dad really well. His mother actually did my wife's hair uh, while we were at Duke. Um, so they had a personal relationship. But, you know, it's one of those things that people don't pay attention to. Um, social media really does a lot to Uh, allow people to maintain relationships. And uh, his mom and dad um, both remained on my Facebook page, you know, throughout my tenure at Texas Tech and during my time at Virginia Tech. And, you know, we communicated uh, because we had strong relationships. And uh, the dad had actually reached out to me um, several months ago, you know, concerning his younger brother, you know, just telling me that he thought his younger brother was a guy I needed to take a look at. Um, not knowing that Aeneas was going to get in the portal um, at all. And so when it happened, you know, it was a natural fit for me to be able to go to Coach Pry and JC and sell this guy, you know, character-wise, ability-wise, because I knew exactly who he was um, as a person, as a player. And um, it made it easy for us, you know, in a sense, because they knew the same about us. You know, they knew me. um, They knew my relationship with Coach Pry. And they trusted my word when I talked about the caliber of men that I work with and the caliber of young men that we have recruited to bring into this program. In addition to some of the kids that were already in this program, we came here that are still on our roster. Um, So that eliminated a lot of schools that they didn't know as much about because the portal is a short period of time for these guys to make decisions. You know, it's not a long courtship. And for us, even, you have to have prior relationships with guys um, to know that, They're guys that are going to fit what you're building. You just can't go out and grab a guy that gets into the portal if you don't know something about him. And usually the portal stems along either you've recruited these kids before in high school, um, you know them, or you know somebody on that staff that you trust that can give you a good assessment of who they are. And we followed that model.
1: We actually – we dipped down into Florida this year with – UFC legend, his son, Davi Belfort. Uh, you think that, one, who recruits Florida? And two, do you think Florida will become a more prominent area in the footprint?
0: Well, Florida right now isn't in our footprint. Um, and there's a lot of factors going into that. But we all know Florida is a hotbed for talent, you know, for everybody in the country. You know, uh, Davi naturally is a quarterback. And quarterback is one of the positions where the footprint um, may not always be a fit because you have to go after the best players in the country at that position if you expect to be a conference champ or to get into the playoffs. So quarterback is one of those positions where you just look where guys can play um, and you go get those guys. So we don't really have anybody on our staff that has um, Florida as a recruiting area. But if it were to get to it, we would just do it by position. Um, so to speak. You know, I have a long history of recruiting South Florida, um, Dade County, Broward County, Palm Beach County, probably recruited down there 15 or 17 years of my career. So I have a lot of relationships down there. But you know, the thing you have to understand about distance now that a lot of people that are not in our business don't understand, the further away you go from home to recruit kids um in the world of NIL, the less likely a lot of those kids are to possibly try to go back home when they start making plays. Because there are so many uh, opportunities for homegrown guys or guys that are close to where they're playing. You think about a car dealer um, that wants to have a young man to represent his car dealership. He's probably going to look for somebody from his area. And so with us being in Virginia, having a lot of kids from Richmond, having a lot of kids from Virginia Beach, having a lot of kids from Northern Virginia, The probability of a car dealer in Northern Virginia, in Richmond, in Virginia Beach, putting a player other than a quarterback on a billboard and giving them some type of deal is very unlikely. And that's the case all over the country. So if you look at the landscape of college football, you're seeing a lot of young men that were recruited all across the country, far away from home, itching back closer to home for those opportunities. And you just have to look at that on the front end. The other thing, the closer kids are to us in our footprint, the more we get to know about them, their families. And the more they get to know about us, our families, our staff and things like that. And those things are more important now than ever in the recruiting process. So there's a lot of different reasons why you don't see us going all over the country to recruit because you got to look at the big picture of things.
1: Yeah, that's a fact 1000%. And that, I would agree on the on the quarterback thing. It really doesn't matter. I think it's that being like the, like, you know, least top three most important position on the team. <laughs>
0: you, yeah. It does, like, if you can, a if you can a go quarterback get the like, quarterback as we know is a glamour position, and it's always been a glamour position. It's always gonna be a glamour position. So everybody loves the quarterback. Uh, you come to media day. Other than the head coach, that guy's gonna have the longest line, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, and that's just the way that it goes. And uh, those guys are popular. That's a popular position, and it's just kind of what goes with the territory.
1: Absolutely, and a dude that I'm actually very—he moved way up my my list of my wish list when I when I watched his interview was Emmett Laws. Any man that is willing to take a train five hours every day or however long it was just so he can make better for himself and study and play football, then that dude, you know, he got a spot on my team personally, because that that's crazy dedication for a kid that age to wake up 4 a.m. every day just to get to a school where he knows is going to get him the best opportunity
0: to make it out. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about early. You know, when you're recruiting, you look at, Uh, the makeup of young men, and that young man is a captain. Everything you just talked about is the definition of a captain, a guy going above and beyond, a guy making sacrifices, a guy doing things that are necessary in order for him to be as good as he can be. So we realize, looking at his story, in addition to him being a good football player, that he's going to be a good locker room guy for us. Uh, He will be a captain at Virginia Tech. We firmly believe that, Um, and he's going to be a competitive guy. But uh, he's also a really, really good football player, so we're glad to have him in that aspect as well.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, Fontel got himself two new really good ones too, and Keelan Adams and Chance Wiggins. They were um, especially, you know, I feel like they were both very highly touted, highly sought-after recruits, and a lot of the – I'm not going to say the big boys because we got to change that narrative. Virginia Tech is a big boy We're not going to get big boy. So therefore we, we were able to keep, keep them safe in our own backyard from these other people that might've came around trying to poach. So I'm glad that we were able to keep those two highly talented and highly high character guys to come to the Hokies.
0: Yeah. You know, first thing, you know, both of those guys are Virginia kids. Um, They were two of the better players in the state of Virginia. And that's what we've got to do at Virginia tech in order to, give ourselves an opportunity to compete um, at a national level. You know, we've got to recruit the best players that are in our state. And we want to be in conversations in the recruiting process with everybody else in the country because you can't sit there and take a backseat to anybody um, if you expect to be a conference champion or contending for a national championship. And that is our goal at Virginia Tech. You know, we're not content with a seven-win season. It's a part of the process, but that's not our goal. You know, the first year we got here, it was hard for us to get into conversations with a lot of the top players in the state of Virginia just because they didn't look at Virginia Tech as a winning program. And these young men um, looked at us, even winning three ball games the season before, even when we were one and three, and they stayed firm, you know, in their commitments um, with us. And they were solid guys throughout the process, even though a lot of other people in America came after them. And that's what we want. We want guys that other people want. You know, we want foot, good good football players um, that we see that we identify that fits our program, and we expect other people to see that as well. But, you know, Funtel is an excellent recruiter. Um, he's an excellent relationship guy. You know, he's very well connected. He does a really good job with not only the kids, but their parents, their high school coaches, and people that are helping them to make the decisions, and that's what it boils down to. When young men have relationships um, with their position coach, And fortunately for him in that situation, you know, he was on those guys early because they were in state and he was able to establish relationships that a lot of the other competitors didn't have. And ultimately, that's why those guys are on our roster.
1: Yeah, obviously, I won't say any names, but I was talking about some future kids the other day and I was like, I think we got a good shot. And somebody was like, What makes you so confident. And I was like, because I haven't seen
0: Fontel Mines lose yet. Uh he does a good job I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you know when you look at his resume. You know, he played um at the University of Virginia. He's coached at Richmond, he's coached at James Madison, he's coached at Old Dominion. Uh he's from Richmond. You know, when you go on the road with this guy, there's not a school that you go into that he didn't know somebody personally. Um from either his playing days or that he's met throughout his tenure here and um he just knows how to maneuver his way around to be able to find the people that you need to find to help make decisions in the process and being a guy that had hardly any background of recruiting the state of Virginia he's been a huge asset to me I know um, as far as that he's probably more connected in the state of Virginia than anybody on our staff and he helps all of us out you know because of that but as the staff man we do a really good job of uh, teamwork when it comes to the recruiting process uh, we are Program We don't recruit a lot of people, so it enables us to be able to use our people to maintain multiple relationships. You know, when you look at a lot of the parents of the young men that we signed this year, there are a lot of different guys uh, on our staff that those parents feel like they can pick up the phone and call if they need something. They feel like they're connected with, whether it be on social media or whether it just be, you know, uh, a wife being connected to our wives, you know, we do a really good job of involving our whole families in the recruiting process. And those things make a difference. You know, when people come calling or people come looking to try to get guys to (laughs) leave your roster, those things are the things that matter.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That, I was going to say, I was going to make a point earlier that I feel like, you know, when you look at a recruit, like on online like they'll have a main recruiter and a secondary listed but i feel like every coach on the staff recruits every kid because you know they come in at least for their official visits and like their are their junior days or whatever and they're interacting with all of you so everybody makes a makes a difference in
0: whether that kid comes or not <laughs> well the thing you gotta understand when you mention that uh primary recruiter, secondary recruiter, whoever's writing the stuff doesn't talk to us. So they don't really don't know who's the primary recruiter, or the secondary recruiter. Uh, there's no such thing as a primary recruiter and a secondary recruiter. You know, you have to look at a recruit. Um, and when you're being thorough, when you're attention to detail, you assess a kid, you assess his family, and you see what connections there are. And you use those connections. I mean, a a young man's mother could be sorority affiliated. And my wife is not on our staff, but my wife may be a part of that sorority. We're going to have her involved in that process when those people come to campus. I'm a fraternity guy. Coach Marv is a fraternity guy. So we're going to relate to any men in the recruiting process that are fraternity guys you start looking at where guys played college football, where guys went to college. There's so many things that you have to look at and see how you can find connections that nobody writing any articles have any idea about. You know, again, those are just things that you see on the surface. But we do a really good job on our staff of finding every edge that we can have in the recruiting process to give us an advantage.
1: Absolutely. And I see, you know, I know you went to Old Miss. You're from South Carolina. You got – you know, SEC country roots down in the Southeast. Uh, we got Sam Brumfield coming in from Mississippi and we got Montavious Cunningham coming in from Georgia. How much did your Southern connections play into those two coming to us in the portal at two positions that absolutely make a difference for us
0: moving forward. Well, well, Cunningham was, uh, probably more Brad Davis, um, being a Georgia guy, um, Coach Davis is an analyst on our staff, had some connections there. So he was involved in that process. I really wasn't involved in that process at at all. And Sam Brumfield actually was a young man that Coach Marv had a prior relationship with through the recruiting process. And then you got to take a look at, you know, he's from Mississippi. I played in Mississippi. Uh, My wife is from Mississippi. Um, But more than anything, we got Jalen Lane, who played at Middle Tennessee, with him. Um, as an ambassador for this program for us. And those are the type of things that make a difference. You know, when we're not involved and those two young men are on the phone, he's asking Jalen Lane about Coach Marv as a coach, about Coach Pryor as a coach, you know, about the rest of us as coaches. He's asking about the locker room. He's asking about the teammates. He's asking about the culture. And Jalen is a guy that he knows that he trusts that's going to answer those questions for him and give him a confidence level because, again, They can only come visit for a day, a day and a half, and you're making a lifetime decision. But I think there was a lot of different things um, that were involved in that. I know Coach Quinn was one of the first guys to really speak highly of him and go visit him. So there was a lot of guys involved in that recruiting process. You know, Xavier D.B.'s pedigree um, of being a Virginia Tech All-American linebacker, being here to assist in the coaching process with him, a lot of different things and a lot of different people were involved in that.
1: Yeah, speaking of Coach Quinn, did y'all let him get some get some more sleep this past year than the year before,
0: or is he still out there running on E? I don't think Coach Quinn wants any sleep. I think Coach <laughs> Quinn sets his alarm um, for about 5 o'clock, 5.30 every morning. He's going to have a place that he eats breakfast uh, before he gets going, and I think he's probably at his first high school before anybody else gets there. And um, he, he just goes and goes and goes, man. He is a real live version of the Energizer, buddy.
1: Yeah, man. Coach Quinn, he's the man. Love that dude for sure. Uh, there's a dude that we recruited, and he kind of reminds me of you in the sense of when you signed on to be the cornerbacks coach for Virginia Tech, you immediately, like, ingratiated yourself into us, into Hokie Nation. You were very vocal online. You definitely, you know, you, you flew the banner. You beat the drum. Gabe Williams hit the ground running as a Hokie. Like, he immediately committed, and then it was boom. He was nonstop onslaught on social media, just, you know, waving the flag. This kid, man, I I love this kid.
0: Yeah, Gabe was um, a big target for us, as we all know. And then he became a really big ambassador for us. You know, highly recruited guy. Uh, very popular guy. But you know, once he became a Hokie, he wanted everybody to know he was a Hokie and he wanted a lot of the other players that hadn't committed to us just yet wanted them to know that he wanted them to come play along with him. And those things make a huge difference. You know, good players want to play with good players. And oftentimes when guys commit, they're still getting recruited. And you'll read an article here about a guy lingering to take a visit or um not quite sure you see some guys say it's a soft verbal um things like that he let everybody know that he was 100 percent a hokey and um that got the fan base excited um that got a lot of other young men excited and he played a huge part in adding some other pieces to the puzzle
1: yeah I'm I'm excited for him he he definitely went full court press on the internet it was he got I feel like you know he had the whole Hokie fan base energized in June. Um I I was at a I was at a big music festival when I pulled my phone out just to see who we got like recruiting wise who committed and I was like, "Oh wow, it was him and another dude didn't end up coming, but I was like, "Man, this is I mean, it just felt like, you know, you want I guess your object is to not only raise the ceiling but to raise the floor. And he's a floor raiser.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing people have to understand is social media is a very, very powerful tool. Um, social media allows you a platform to reach a lot of different audiences and a lot of different people. And um, I've used social media for years you know, in the recruiting process because it allows people to see who you are as a person, who you are as a husband, who you are as a father, who you are as a coach, who you are as a teacher, and so much more. These are people that I'll never get a chance to talk to um, that know me before I ever even start recruiting them, you know, and that's a huge advantage. And from a prospect standpoint now, a student athlete, you know, we live in a world of NIL. We live in a world of marketing. We live in a world where people are looking to see who can help sell a product. And I think whether Gabe knew it or not, he was positioning himself to raise the interest of a lot of people. You know, he showed people, his energy, he showed people his enthusiasm, he showed people his personality, and those are things that will help you in the landscape of college football now.
1: No, that's a fact. It's definitely uh, the era of personal brand. That's 1,000% true. So I wanted to pivot a little bit because I saw it on Twitter. It's Black History Month and the Virginia Tech... Twitter put out you went to was it um was it a seminar or like a panel that you sat on and talking about you know your experiences in Mississippi in the early 90s and I thought that it was very um well I thought the fact that you guys sent a bunch of hate mail was was insane and I understand the way the south is but I obviously I still think it's crazy that that happened to you but um what was that experience like being able to share all your experiences like that with that type
0: of environment in that room? Um, um, Raina Gilbert Riley uh, put a panel together um, along with Cox Communications, and I actually had to fly back in um, the night before um, to do this and left right back out to go meet a bunch of the coaches in Charlotte to recruit. But it's something that um, I've done probably every year probably at least the last 10 years at the schools that I've been at, because I think it's very critical, um, that you help to educate people on things that they may not have answers to. And the panel was there for our athletic department members to be able to ask questions. And we answered questions that hopefully, um, shed light, you know, on some of the people in the athletic department about how we feel about certain things and uh, certain things that have happened to us. I truly believe in life. Um, you have to be transparent about things in order to be able to solve problems and to be able to find solutions. And that's one of the things I don't have a problem with. You know, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my heritage. Um, I stand as a guy in a position that, you know, my father, grandfather, -grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather never had the opportunity to do. So I'm representing all of them. And I try to represent all of them in a way that they'll be proud of. But at the same time, as a leader, as a coach, the best thing you can be is a walking example. And it's not necessarily just about black and white. It's about being a man. And um, I'm proud of who I am. Um, Who I am is different than anybody else, and I'm okay with that. Matter of fact, I'm very proud of that, (laughs) that I am um, different than everybody else. But for me, anything that I can do when I'm a part of an organization um, to help out, to allow us to be progressive, I'm going to make the sacrifices to do it.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's important. I'm blessed. I always give credit to my mom because I come from a very, very like small town in Virginia and it's very white. And I think, you know, I probably went to school with like like five Latinos and like I I had two black kids in my class and but my mom she, we always traveled. She always took me all sorts of different places. So I got to see different walks of life, like everywhere, and you, you experience different cultures, whether it was the Dominican or Mexico or even, you know, Canada, the Bahamas, all these places. So, like, I never ever had like that. I was always curious to learn. Like, I'm very I always, I ask a lot of questions. It's probably why I have a podcast because I just like, I'm very inquisitive. And I uh I think it it helped me out a lot as far as like being aware of what's going on in the world, and that's only gotten better for me I guess as I've gotten older like i I've, I've learned way more because you you know you what you're taught in school is what you're taught in school, but then what you learn elsewhere is I feel like it's the real truth. so <laughs> I'm very yeah, I always have to thank my mom for making me well traveled and well versed in the world.
0: You know, for me, um, I'm from a small town. I'm in South Carolina myself. Um, And being a part of so many different sports teams growing up, you know, you really see things from a different set of lenses. Um, You know, I'm an 80s school kid for the most part, graduated in the early 90s. And, you know, I'm pretty sure there was still a lot of um, racism in the South. Like my mom and dad – Uh, went to segregated high schools and graduated from segregated high schools so being offspring of them a lot of the people that I went to high school with um, their parents also went to segregated schools and they may have thought differently but when you play sports and you're on a team you're in a locker room it eliminates a lot of that you know because you have to being on one accord with so many different people in order to achieve a goal. And I think over time, that helps people that play sports um, to see things a little bit differently. And even going to college, you know, um, there was a lot of bad things said about the state of Mississippi, um, a lot of bad history in the state of Mississippi. And even at that time, a lot of bad things said about, the University of Mississippi because the rebel flag was still being flown um, at that time at games or whatever. But, you know, it's been, it was one of the best experiences of my life. You know, I never once experienced any racism, you know, during my time in um, Mississippi, you know, and I feel like racism is everywhere, but you can't stereotype racism. Um, Racism is people, you know, it's not a place. And each individual person has to take a look in the mirror and say, you know, Um, what's the benefit me personally um, I'm fortunate that my parents uh, raised me in a way that all people are the same and my mom and my dad both taught me that you judge people on how they treat you not what anybody else say about them so I've just always kept that philosophy
1: yeah no we we uh, we align on that one perfectly that's that's a fact well coach what I guess my last recruiting question would be you know 2023 was the first class now we're 2024 is in the books how much I guess what was the biggest difference between recruiting the last class versus recruiting this class as far as something that may have made it easier as far as getting in contact, like, do you feel like more coaches and schools reach out to you now than you having to go to them in 2023 and introduce yourself and be like, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm here for?
0: Well, I think when you look back at it, you know, that first year we had several guys on our staff who hadn't recruited the state of Virginia, so the relationships themselves were not there. Um, we did a really good job um, out of the gate getting into high schools, establishing relationships, and getting to know people. I think nothing's probably more bigger than Coach Pride being very consistent uh, with our message, what our goals are, um, the future of the program, and expressing confidence in that. You know, Coach Pride does a really good job uh, with our team and our fan base of explaining um, the truth. You know, it's not easy. It's not an overnight process. We're not perfect. And we're transparent about that. You know, we have to make decisions to learn what's the right decision. You know, and that's part of coaching. But when you're trying to get a program to championship level, there's a lot of bumps in the road that you have to get to. And you can't hide behind those things. There's nothing in college football that you can hide behind anymore. Uh, But he's at the forefront of the program. uh, Very vocal about where we are. Very honest with our team. Very honest with our staff. Very honest with our fans about where we are and what the expectations of this program is, but, you know, we've also gotten on buses and did traveling clinics to get to meet coaches. And uh, we've had camps and we've had clinics on campus for coaches to come visit us. So it's a lot of different things um, that made it easier, but it all boils down to relationships. And I think the other portion of it is good players want to play with good players. Uh, When we got here, um, there were not a lot of, marquee players from the state of Virginia on our football team. And we had to go out and sell to some of those guys we signed that year that they could become that. But I think what you're seeing now is you've got several guys on our football team now who have won state championships in the state of Virginia that have been highly recruited, that have been all-stars. And the guys that were in this past class were a year behind them, but they admired them. Um, They respected their game. So the guys that we're recruiting now – same situation you know you play against guys in state championships or you don't make the state championship but you see a guy make the state championship and win it and all of a sudden he goes to Virginia Tech those are the type of things that nobody thinks about that adds to the success of a program when you have good players in your program that other players can identify with that they respect uh, their game, it makes recruiting a lot easier for us. So we can't take all the credit because some of the players on our team were the reasons some of the guys that you see committing to us are committing to us.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, we, this past year we snagged the two best players out of the beach, you know, with Brody and then uh, Gerard Johnson, who I think is going to be a monster. And then uh, I feel like the portal, I call it the – it's the, the king of second chances for Virginia Tech because there were a lot of kids that – got recruited or didn't get recruited by us before y'all got there that should have been that are now you know coming back like uh apr and uh kamari copeland kevin Gill, kelvin gilliam highland springs kid as well like just it's um it's been awesome to see the fact you know just uh you know if we miss on a kid in the in the high school recruiting cycle i just think you know what I know that Cheetah and them are going to keep those relationships strong. And if they do end up entering the portal because it didn't work out where they chose to go, that Virginia Tech is still a strong destination for those individuals. So,
0: Well, the biggest recruiting tool out there is success. And I think what you're seeing, a lot of guys that looked at Virginia Tech differently when they came out of high school, starting to look at it a little bit differently now. You know, when you show signs of success and when people can look at a program and See that they're on the upswing or that they're already a top-tier program, that just naturally sparks their interest. And if you look at all of those kids, yeah, it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. All of those young men that transferred here had people on the roster that they personally knew, that they personally respected as football players. And that stuff goes a long, long way when guys look and say, you know what, I want to go play with a couple more springers. You know, I know the tradition of our high school program. Now there's four guys from this particular program going there. I want to be a part of that too, you know? And then again, I go back to the NIL piece of it. You know, a lot of those guys you called out, played uh, college football a long, long way from home. You know, when you start looking at opportunities to market yourself and to market your name, image, likeness, there's no place like home.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a fact, 1,000%. Um and uh at virginia tech does feel like home i'm actually headed there this weekend uh definitely it's my home away from home i always feel very comfortable in blacksburg so absolutely coach cheetah another signing day is in the books man uh the floor has been raised and in return the ceiling will also raise i'm excited for spring ball and i'm sure you're excited for spring ball you got the hunger drills Getting active right now. See them dudes out there sweating. Coach Galt losing his voice. The Hokies are back, uh, you know, pretty soon. We'll be uh, we'll be kicking it off in Nashville. <laughs> so uh, thank you for your time today, man. I, I, I appreciate you as a person, as a coach, as a friend. And I'm glad that you took the time out of your busy schedule to come on here and let these people know about the, the intricacies of our recruiting class and uh, just what you've been up to.
0: Well, man, I always appreciate you, man. I always appreciate your loyalty and allowing us to use your platform to share our vision with Hokie Nation. You know, uh, Hokie Nation is a big part of what we're doing. Uh, Hokie Nation is a big part of what we sell. So uh, we're trying to do this, guys, um, together. And we need Hokey Nation to be aligned with us, um, keep showing up for us. And we promise you that we're going to give you a product that you're proud of.
1: Hey, you heard it here, man. Absolutely. That's that's a fact. And go Hokies.
0: Go Hokies.